everybody, welcome to another episode of Adwell Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host as always, Adwell Marcy, and today we're sponsored by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adwell to go ahead and get your free um, website built for you when you buy your hosting there. It's slightly better than normal shared hosting, it's business hosting, so you get a little bit more leeway, um, and it works, it's pretty badass. We host a bunch of sites with them, and uh, we're doing pretty good with those. Uh, also sponsored today by BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com. Our guest on board today has gone ahead and kindly sponsored the show by being a complete bam for making, letting me make fun of him for a while because uh, we've been trying to get this thing up for, for about two weeks. So yeah, <laughs> enjoy. Without any, uh, I'm going to give you guys an introduction, but um, how we met really, uh, the guy that I'm going to speak to, of course, is Roy Farr. Roy is a guy that I came across initially by John Carlton. Like, John actually wrote something about Roy a while ago, or said something about him. And really? Like, oh, a while ago. You were mentioned. In passing. Huh. How well, do you not know this? I don't know. I have to go dig this up now, because apparently I have a reputation with one of the last um, marketing copywriting heroes who I haven't actually connected with on a personal basis. I mean, what? I've... Dude, no yeah. Way. Okay, I, so, I've got a weird story about John anyway, which I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell everyone in a minute because hopefully this reaches him and it does some. It does more good than bad. I hope. Um, but I'll explain. So, anywho, so that's one of the ways. The other one was I actually got a bunch of other people talk to me about Roy. Like I had Ryan Levesque, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, mention him. My Dan, Dan Meredith, who, by the way, Dan, seriously, if you listen to this, I'm going to bully the shit out of you, man. Four times now, I've been like, yeah, let's get on a podcast. You're like, yeah, let's do it, and we never do. Yeah, shit, seriously, seriously, get, get your shit together, Dan. Come on. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone's waiting for you right now. Two if you're not months. on the podcast, if you're not on the podcast in a month, you have to shave your beard. Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> and by the way, does Dan Meredith kind of remind you of a young Gary Halbert? Not, not, not in like writing, but just physically looks like Halbert when he was younger. Uh, definitely not in writing, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> sorry, sorry that, that is that is like the greatest. <laughs> Backhand slap I've ever heard from another copywriter. It's like, yeah, I'm not in writing. I'm like, oh, okay. whoa, shit. Okay, fine. Yeah. Be nice to him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he maybe has that. You know, maybe, maybe it's just the beard, but, but he has, he has a presence, uh, like, like Gary in a, in a, um, wholly undue confidence, which, which, which is, which is a virtue. I mean, I'm not. We're not uh, mocking you, know, we're just saying it, it's hilarious <laughs> yeah. as shit. But anyway, so getting back to this, and we're going to cover this because I've got to tell you the Carlton story in a minute. So Roy was, uh, Dan Meredith, uh, we were in the same group. Me, well, it was Dan's group that you and I actually met, and I reached out to you. Yeah. Uh, we had a very short uh, chat thingy where you helped me out with something, and then um, I was like, dude, got to get you on the podcast. And you were like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay, cool. And then like two, three weeks went by of us trying to arrange calls and shit kept coming up. And then eventually we got on this call today. So yay, happy times. Yeah. Everyone everyone, be happy simply because Roy is a badass because he's actually written for a couple of the, um, how do I put this nicely? Everyone who's listening to this should know by now I'm a little bit of a conspiracy nut. So um, <laughs> he's written for some of the stuff there. And he's, we're probably being recorded by the NSA and the GSA and every other US agency in the world. Yay, there goes my chance of going <laughs> into the US. Just brown guy coming in get him um but to backtrack a little bit about the john carlton story because i'm gonna get you to tell you tell us your story because i'm fucking interested as shit as that one because it's gonna be amazing but the carlton story was i had john on a podcast um no it wasn't a podcast it was an interview i did i interviewed him for like an hour and 
For the people that don't know, John is one of my greatest heroes. Because I've been writing copy since I was like 12, 13 years old. It wasn't until I was 18 I got pro. And you know when you start out being a pro at anything, you kind of still have those bugs because you're never really formally taught. Because I wasn't ever taught copywriting. I just did it and then I got yeah. good. But I got told to study some copy. And um, it was, I don't even know who the hell sent me John Carlton. I think it was Frank Kern. I was on Frank's list and Frank sent me this thing going, John Carlton's the greatest copywriter ever. You should go check him out. So like, all right, cool. I'll go check him out. I like Frank. I'll go ahead and check out the stuff by this guy called John Carlton. Read his stuff, fall in love with it. And for the next like year, like six months to a year, I actually learned about structural copywriting, what works, what doesn't work. Because up to that, up to that point, I was just shooting from the hip. Yeah, he like every and everything I learned. Believe it or not, I did not buy a single one of his products. I learned everything from his blog. Yeah, I'm really bad at at, at buying products. Um, I I certainly buy some products, but, but yeah, I I'm I'm like you in that in that I like to learn from everything that people do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I give back in that way too. Uh, your Same. cat's saying hi. Yeah, he's <laughs> like everyone knows Chase. Chase is on board. He's woken up, guys. You know who he is by this point. <laughs> but um, seriously, I, I'm the exact. Oh, well, we're the exact same way in that in that sense that we actually love to give a lot of stuff away, like great value yeah. in our posts. That's why I do this podcast because it's. You've had the podcast. There is no actual holding back when we do these things. There's like it's a hundred percent like uh, verbal diarrhea on both sides until <laughs> like something sticks and is stupid or funny or both. Yeah, you know this is this is this is funny. I'm just going to interject. I've been I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, because I've been, I've spent over the last year, about the last 15 months, um, writing a thousand to 2000 words every single day on my site, breakthrough marketing secrets. And I, I should grab this, uh, email real quick here. So, um, I actually just got an email from this guy who has literally a $44 million postcard for his tax business where he's used this use a postcard to generate $44 million worth of leads. And so he studied for the last 15 years, he studied everybody. And he said, first wanted to let you know that I'm loving your daily emails, really delivering incredible value. Thank you for all you put into that work better than virtually every paid newsletter I subscribe to over the past 15 plus years. And uh, it's something that like, I don't know, you, you make those narratives and you put them out into the world. Um, and, and that one came back to me. And um, the, 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 the thing that, that jumps out at me, though, is like, where do you go from there when you've been delivering so much value free? And I, I don't know, um, like, where where do you go in terms of what do you charge for next? Um, I don't know. And this is this is a crazy side conversation. Oh, no, dude, um, this is quite easy because I can tell you what the answer is because I started doing this with the consultation stuff. Yeah. Um, someone actually uh, annoyed me enough to i haven't spoken to them yet but i will be speaking to them soon they annoyed me because they actually took concept i had and tried to claim it as their own yeah well, thankful, thankfully so many people knew that it was my style they were like yeah fuck you it's adults i'm like yes <laughs> competition just destroyed with that one thing no i was gonna say well there's a carlton i don't know what happened because i i love john's work hands down yeah. one of my favorite people in the world yeah um and then I, all I remember is I sent him an email because someone I was at, I was speaking at an event and some other event guy was like, oh, you know John Carlton, right? I was like, yeah, I, he's a great guy, amazing teacher, love the guy's work. Actually, wouldn't be where I am today. I was like twenty one at the time, yeah, um, twenty five, so it's four years ago. I send John this message off my phone, like, hey John, um, 
so-and-so, uh, I can't remember who it was, so-and-so said hello to you or whatever it was, or I might have said something like really cocky in that message. I don't know. The <laughs> next thing I know, like John Probably stops talking. I've heard the other stuff you've, you've, you've talked about yourself. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just an asshole. We all know this. <laughs> this is just recent, but back then I was actually quite a nice kid. <laughs> it's like no <laughs> asshole at all. Um, but no, it's like so since then. Stop talking. Yeah, me and John. Like every time I message him, like thankfully I love reading his posts because like the guy is just a genius. And again, never discouraging anything away from John Carlton because if I could get him on this podcast, I fucking will because I love that guy. But yeah. the only problem was. Um, he stopped talking to me and stopped responding to my messages. I was like, shit, what the hell did I just do? That's like killing a unicorn and being like, how <laughs> did we do this? But that's the uh, John Carlton story of between me and John. But I love that guy. I mean, him and Joe Sugarman are like two of the best guys in the world. Uh, for yeah. me. But I always equate every copywriter. It's like, um, you know how history repeats itself? Yeah. Um, I like to equate every quote unquote legend, legendary copywriter no matter if they're still alive or dead or whatever, I like to see the new breed, which is us, kind of transitioning and seeing who gets what title they've left behind. So yeah. it's like, um, yeah. you look at someone and go, oh yeah, like Dan Meredith, I actually equated Dan Meredith to Dan, Dan Meredith's style to being very similar to John Carlton's path, which is, yeah. he got a really good mentor that went through and taught him and got a lot of great stuff, and now he's like, you know, rocking it. And then yeah. you got someone like me who took the Joe Sugarman path, which is, I did everything myself for fucking ages. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's you who just basically is the redheaded stepchild of the entire mix. Hey, hey, I, I, um, ah. now this is one of those claims that I have trouble saying about myself. I'll just but... go do it. No, it's, look, <laughs> dude, I, I, I had right. problems saying that I was the greatest copywriter alive. Dot com until I bought the goddamn domain. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so, so one of my heroes, I, so I have a few different heroes, and, and actually, career path, uh, so far, I've. I've I've tried to follow Gary Bensavenga. Um, back I worked. Ken McCarthy was like who who put on the very first internet marketing summits. He was like my second freelance client. And um, really, yeah, dude, yeah, that's fucking legendary. You gotta tell me how you did that because Ken's a legend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, admittedly, we didn't do a ton of work together, but he was my second freelance client. And and as part of that work, he sent me an interview. Like the very first interview ever done with Gary Bensavenga that was released publicly. And Ken got on the phone with Gary for like three and a half hours one afternoon and just interviewed him about his whole story. Um, Gary broke down a lot of the stuff that he would eventually teach at his retirement seminar um, in that interview. And that interview changed my life, um, definitely, and made me a much better copywriter. And um, so, so that was really the beginning of me studying Gary Bensavenga in depth. And, um, later, years later, just a couple of years ago, Ken interviewed me for his system club, which is his paid, uh, monthly membership site where he does interviews and teaching and stuff and, um, kind of, uh, Offline, so I'm going to get in trouble for sharing this. <laughs> he said, but but uh, after after the interview or before the interview, he said, I kind of equate this with sitting down with Gary Bensavenga early on in his career and and being able to interview him like as he is coming into his own as a freelance copywriter, Whoa. which meant the world to me. And oh, then dude, that's um, the best compliment in the fucking world, right there. Yeah, absolutely. And then Laurie Haller, who actually designed a bunch of Gary's stuff, like his his marketing bullets website, and she did all the all the design for him. Um, 
and worked with him off and on throughout uh, the last couple decades. Um, she actually, she and I go way back, and she's a good friend. And and she, she said she that I remind her of Gary Bensavenga. And then when I worked for Brian Kurtz last year, I didn't actually get the same compliment for Brian Kurtz. But when I did, and this is how I met Dan Meredith too, uh, I did the Titans the direct response promotion that yeah, that I, Smith freaking promotion fucking sales after that was. You made me read. <laughs> I hated you so much for that. I was like, this is going in the swipe pile. <laughs> well, the, the 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 DVD promotion because I ended up like packing in so much information from the presentations themselves ended up being twenty thousand words, which is probably the longest sales letter I'll ever write. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, longest single, you know, nonstop promotion. Um, but but Gary actually wrote to me, and I have this like I'm looking past my computer at his face on the back of my office door. Um, I can't quite read his testimonial from here, but basically he said um, that that it was an incredibly important job to do to to write about all these you know superstar copywriters and and um, and yet you did it and your promo sings and um, that's that's one of those things that I'm going to treasure for life. Um, that is that is like so fucking legendary. Yeah, and Brian, Brian said, "All right, you can quit now. Um, you know, you, you've you've got Gary Vincevenga's testimonial. You can, you're good." Um, and and actually, um, yeah. The the interesting thing is, I actually see myself trying to follow more of the Jay Abraham path. You, you know, you talk about inheriting the reputation. Well, I've I, I've got a million heroes in this business, like you do, and I can I can tell. Um, you know your 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 simple story of discovering John Carlton, and like having, um, just being told, yeah, this is the guy you need to follow. So what do you do? You go follow him. Um, and and you know there's things like scientific advertising, which was like the third book on marketing or advertising that I bought. While people were saying, book. I cannot. You can't read it. No, I'll, I'll, we'll go on that in a minute, but go on, continue on. This is like a little thing that like very few people know, which actually I'm surprised I never revealed on this podcast, but I'll tell you in a moment, but go on. Okay. Um, well, what I did was I went and got that book and people said, you got to read the Robert Collier letter book equally hard, probably even harder to read, I think, than scientific advertising. Um, I went and got that book. Um, and, and, you know, so people say, you know, people tie their lineage back, um, and, and it's really common in like meditation, um, in spiritual practices for people to be able to tie their lineage back. Like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There you go. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is uh, perfect. So like I learned from Haley, where she taught this, who taught this, and then that was my teacher. So yeah, I do get yeah, the lineage. It's, that's, that's huge in martial arts. It's, it's huge in a lot of Eastern cultures because, um, lineage is valued so much old wisdom is valued so much and and advertising at least among the upper echelons is definitely valued like like folks value it in the same way hmm. uh, and and just to hear you tell that about carlton i was i was paying attention to frank kern and Kern said follow carlton and so i started following carlton well yeah that's been my career that's why that's why i was able to write the titans promotion like i did was because all those people were already my heroes yeah. Uh, so you knew their stories as how to best represent them in your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Funny story. I think my actual lineage starts with um, Billy Mays. Really? Yeah. Um, well, you don't actually know my story at all, do you? 
I, I have no clue about your story I, at all. I can, yeah. for, for the people listening to this for the millionth time, I'll tell this story. It's pretty much very <laughs> simple. Um, my dad was paralyzed when I was like five years old, like from the waist down for like two years. Now, as you know, like what we found out recently about the subconscious mind, you don't really form a conscious mind until like you're seven. So you got like two years between five and seven. Uh, weirdly enough, my dad was a huge fan of the Home Shopping Channel. Okay. And for like, I have an older sister, so like seven years my senior, she beat the living shit out of me. All right, growing up. If you listen yeah. to us, Aisha, I love you too, but still, you did beat the shit out of me. I still have the memories <laughs> from those days. Um, but we loved each other. Like, she literally, so it was basically either watch like 90s um, teen shows or um, sit down and watch like whatever my dad's watching until he moved and then switch over to cartoons the moment I get like a chance to. So I was like, yeah. all right, screw it. I'm going to do the cartoon thing because, you know, I can sit here for hours and I can just pay attention. It doesn't really matter to me. And unconsciously, I was watching around, um, so let's say I was at home from like four o'clock till nine o'clock, five hours, well, not even five hours, four hours worth of like dad TV time, right? Yeah. For about three hours a day, I was watching Billy Mays pitch something every fucking day <laughs> for two years. Wow. Right? And I didn't realize this until I started going back and looking at stuff. But no, I actually really loved watching Billy Mays. That's why I love his pitch style. Yeah. And then... Um, when I was 12, 13, my parents, uh, my parents got told that I, you know, I write really slowly in class and my dad at this time could walk again. So he was in the import export business. And I actually used to go down to his office and write stories about, um, his products. Well, I okay. didn't know until I was 18 was he actually used to take the shit down to his copyrights and they used to just tweak the headline, uh, add a little bit of story, <laughs> like change the story a little bit and then put a call to action at the end and mail it out in direct mail pieces. And then when I was 18, I got told, stop doing network marketing, go do this. And around the same time, I had like two other entrepreneurs, Steven S and Alex Goad, say do the exact same thing. So next thing I know, yeah. I became a copywriter. And then, of course, I followed John Carlton. But the reason I've not read any, like I can't read scientific advertising, is because um, this is a hilarity. I'm dyslexic with ADD, which is fun. But yeah. the real funny part about all this, I've never been able to get through an advertising book fully without it hurting my conversions. Is like the strangest shit ever. Huh. Like, I'll read a book. I'll go from like, say, a, a strong seven percent across the board. I'll yeah. read a book, apply what it says, and I'll drop right down to a three. I'm like, industry averages say three is good. I was at seven. This yeah. is a really bad drop for me. Okay, fuck that. I'm going back All to right. what I was doing. So, so um, that's that's really interesting because. Um, uh, at Titans, and and I I've I've just commandeered that reputation, um, and <laughs> you know, Brian 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 uh, fully supports it. But um, I I teach lessons that I picked up there, uh, and and tie it all back to my story because the more you can make mountains out of molehills, right? Uh, you know what you should totally do? You should just get a T-shirt printed for yourself, just saying I am the Titan copywriter. <laughs> just literally just walk around with it, just like. Sup, bitches, this is what we do. But yeah. just to finish off my story just real quick, this doesn't oh, mean yeah. I don't study these books still. I still do. I read through them. I still try and do yeah. what I can, you know, try and get some level of greatness in that I can apply, but I don't do everything that's methodical to the book that's there. I'm like, okay, yeah. take one thing that sounds kind of cool and add it to your promotion and see what happens. But yeah. if it doesn't work, then you're like, okay, cool. Try well, another one. Most of my studying these days, I'm I'm ADHD and attentive, so I don't bounce off the walls, but my mind is always bouncing, right? Um, and and um, most of my um, 
learning these days is actually through podcasts and audio materials because I listen to them at double speed. Mm-hmm. I hopefully pick up like 5% and I apply that, you know, whatever stuck with me after listening to the whole thing at double speed. Yep. And um, it's, it's, it's an incredible way to, to absorb information when you're ADHD and unable to sit through a book. Actually, Ryan Levesque's book, Ask, um, I was surprised. I got beginning to end in that. Now, granted, uh, it's written well as his story, and uh, it's a fairly short book. Um, but I was I was very pleasantly surprised that I actually finished the damn thing. Yeah, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually surprised you did too, because I'm like a quarter of the way through the book. I'm like, uh, audiobooks come out, <laughs> yay! Yeah, yeah. The well, I, I, I benefit from not having dyslexia. So um, I, I, I actually did record. I'll send you a link to it. Um, I recorded the scientific advertising in my own voice for my own listening. Dude, that would be awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah, if you actually go to BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com and search for it, it's yet another thing that I gave away free. Um, I just I can't tell you where it's, it's you know. It's somewhere there. Yeah, it's somewhere there. There's a link to the zip file, and you can download it in every – MP3 is a different chapter. Um, what I was going to say, though, is is you're you're kind of in good company um, because it tightens. So Brian, one of the things that he did was he had uh, Boardroom's current Mount Rushmore of copywriters, which is all the best copywriters that have worked uh, for uh, that are active with Boardroom right now. He has he has like the four that built um, Boardroom, and then he had the four that are active right now. Um, and had those divided into like the old and new Mount Rushmore's. And um, I got to see the stats. And, and we're talking like um, 250. No, no, it's, it's more than that. I think it was at least 250 million pieces of mail. Or the, high, the highest copywriter was somewhere near 250 million pieces of mail um, that, to their name, you know, based on their copy. And and some of them like David Deutsch was was on that on that list and um, he had a bunch of other stuff that he did working with Jim Rutz but it wasn't counting towards the and this was since 1995 so over two decades, um, but on that panel you have Paris Lampropolis who is like um, absolute student of direct marketing and he reads everything and learns everything and all of that and then you have Eric Betchel who a lot of people don't know because his only like presence is in this like very upper echelon direct response like those are the only people that know him he's kind of a secret weapon and um he trained directly with gary Benzfingo, but he said he's he's only read like half of one advertising book ever you know like and, guy. <laughs> yeah and and um you know he's one of the top four uh current copywriters for boardroom now granted he he learned in a different way, he learned through mentorship. He and his brother both trained with Gary Benzavenga. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, but it, it goes to show that there's like not one route to the top. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so if you can't read an advertising book, you know, maybe, maybe reading advertising books isn't for you if you don't even want to study advertising. I mean, Eric's obsession was with, you know, you find the story that is the most compelling story that you can come up with. And you tell the story, and then you tie it to your offer, and you make your offer. Mm-hmm. And you know he studied offers and stuff, and paid attention to other people's copy and stuff like that. But you know, there's no he hasn't read 50 different advertising books from all these different people. And uh, and actually, at one point, Gary Bensavinga in that interview that I got from Kim McCarthy, he he said that if he had to do it all over again, 
he would have just identified as he was going through his career, maybe the top five or top 10 books on selling and advertising and just read them over and over again and, and, and limited his input on different ideas. Because like you, I mean, if, if you read a new advertising book and it drops your conversions in half, well, maybe you don't need to be reading new advertising <laughs> books. What's yeah. really funny though is, um, just to go from the like my learning method so because i don't this this is what happens when i love about these calls is i end up talking about shit that i never usually talk about and same with you yeah. guessing like it just brings yeah. the best out of people because you're talking to friends but Absolutely. the um but the way that i actually write copy my actual thing is structure yeah that that's actually the thing that um if i had to break down what really separates me to everyone else it's knowing how to structure my fucking deals in the sense so you gone oh well, what do you mean by structure Structure your deals? Like structure um, the actual offer, how to position yeah. it correctly when you're writing. Because unfortunately, it's a mass majority. I say, I want to say copywriters, but they're not. Because th there is something very, like for me, the word copywriter is very sacred. Yeah. Um, it's going to sound really, really fucking metaphysical and stuff, so I apologize. But realistically, here's what I mean. Um, guy that just started out yesterday or like a year ago is still not a copywriter in my books. I'm sorry, yeah. you are not considered a copywriter until you've basically lived, breathed, and become direct response. Like, that, yeah. that is the thing. I've even noticed when we're talking, the words you're using, it's like you've been so, so ingrained in you that there is no difference between if you were to transcribe this conversation and um, listen to it. It's like, oh, they're having a conversation. You transcribe it. Oh, it's a sales letter. Yeah. Very, very, <laughs> it's, it's like no difference whatsoever. Like, the gap between it's almost non-existent. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, the looking looking back on it from like uh, slightly above and removed. Um, I mean, I've been filling this conversation with uh, credibility stories, proof stories mm -hmm. that establish my authority. And 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 you're right. It does become so Ingrained. natural. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a um, part of you what you do, and it's yeah. insane. So this is this is really fascinating. Um, uh, having having written uh, you know a thousand to two thousand words every day on all the topics that were most important to me in copywriting and marketing and business building, I can say, oh, I wrote about that once uh, <laughs> to, to just about everything. But uh, in two thousand nine, before I was a freelance copywriter, I went to the AWAI boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, and anybody that's in copy knows AWAI. And there's there's certainly uh, positive and negative things about them. They have a really bad reputation with some people. Uh, Harlan Kilstein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, we, we've and, got. To, I got to get the story off of you at some point. All right. Well, he uh, the, the very short version of it is is he calls he calls them the four letter organization, and he he has like uh, YouTube videos where he went and visited their office and got kicked out and all this stuff. You know, and he's doing it as much to to sell against them the us I mean, versus them obviously yeah that's that's what he's doing um you know if if you cornered him um he would probably admit that there's 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 a lot of good things that they do but you know it doesn't support his sales story um <laughs> sorry harlan i'm i'm you know addition the dirt um we're, we're getting your sales secrets just out there for you that's what we do <laughs> You know what you should so, totally do, Harlan? You should get on this podcast and totally retort. I'm kidding. There, there you go. You know, let's that's, let's make this a battle between me and Harlan. 
that. That would be kind of an interesting one because if I officiate it, it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he yeah. Um, he he had my back in the warrior forum when a lot of trash came out about the Titans letter. So I can't be too hard on him. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So back in at, back in two thousand nine, um, I was actually already working for AWAI writing like a weekly thing and I was I was doing freelance on the side but I was still full-time employed well I decided to go to their boot camp and like use that as a launching point for my copywriting career um and um I picked up two lessons there that made all the difference in the world and this is going to tie back around to your structure thing um one is Michael Masterson um who now writes under Mark Ford which is his birth name at Palm Beach Letter but but he's a partner in Agora and, you know, um, has done very well in the direct, direct marketing business. He taught his concept of power of one, which is, um, one of the, one of the things that so many writers, let's, let's call them writers, not copywriters, uh, writers do that, that causes them to fail at being a copywriter is they write about everything. Like they want to write, they want to throw in all the good information, all of the benefits, all the this and that. And, and he said, you know, make your sales presentation letter or whatever, make your copy about one thing and tell that one story in the most compelling possible way. And that's like, I, I mean, that, that changed my, my, um, that changed my copywriting in such an incredible way. Um, I, I marked that as one of the major changes in my copywriting. And then the other thing that happened is Clayton Makepeace was speaking there for the first time and he and his wife were there and this was when he was still doing the total package. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things Clayton was famous for is he had like a million copy cups working under him. And what he would do is he'd say, all right, here's the big idea for the promotion. Here's the outline all the way down through to the signature and PS and you go write this and then bring it back to me and I'll put the finishing touches on it and we'll send it out. Um, but what he did, and actually you can still see it over my shoulder. I got this piece colored piece of paper in 2009. Um, totally and see the total package just there in the writing. Yeah. <laughs> you can just literally just um, see it. Clayton's face, total, total package, and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, in in green there, it says pretty darn good copy outline, and it's a twenty point outline. And actually, in green in the other corner, it's it's got a more detailed outline of the offer. It says twelve steps to offer bliss, how to seal the deal. But um, when I was starting out as a copywriter um, in well in two thousand nine, when I was about to go full time. Uh, full -time I sat there at the job fair at AWAI and spoke with Wendy for like 45 minutes and then Clayton came and joined and we spoke for another 15 minutes or whatever. And um, I got that poster and that poster and the power of one lesson, um, specifically that outline, you know, you talk about structure, his 20 point sales letter outline uh, really made my career as a copywriter. Now, since then, and I've talked to other people who followed this starting in 2009, like a guy that I met who's gone on to become one of the top copywriters in the Agora universe. Um, oh, which guy? He, uh, Henry Bingaman. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, he, he's been laying low recently, um, but he's been, he's, he's an incredibly good copywriter. Both of us met at, um, at the 2009 boot camp and and kind of paralleled each other. He's fairly young too, um, probably somewhere between us in age. I'm early 30s, you're mid 20s. He's I think he's about 30. Um, yeah. So um, 
that that outline using that as the as the foundation for my my early sales letters just completely changed everything because I would I would I would follow the the order. I mean, I don't we don't necessarily need to go through every step of it, but um and, and that PDF of that Clayton still has it available online and I link to it. Um if you search for like pretty darn good copy outline um, or even if you search for Clayton Makepeace of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, I linked to his copy of the files. I'm not like, you know, stealing his copyright material or whatever. But um, following that outline is just such an incredible way to establish that structure in your mind of what a, a, a sales letter is. And um, I've done copywriter coaching. I do, I do a lot of, um, a lot of uh, copy reviews and stuff. And it's very clear when somebody is failing at structure that they're not going to not going to make the sale. Um, yeah. yeah, because because if you have the structure right, it kind of pulls people. It's Carlton's grease shoe. Um, if you have the structure right and the pacing right, then you're pulling people through all the way to the order. And um, if you don't have that right, then then you know you're not going to pull people through to the order. And it's, it's a, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. You're basically you're fucked. And <laughs> that's the that's the thing that actually got me was because um, I actually looked at like so many sales. I was like, oh my god, there's something wrong here. There is something seriously wrong here. What's going on? Yeah, because most of it's web copy. I mean, I've written um, a few direct mail pieces, and uh, thank God they've done well because that would like be horrible. It's like I'm an online copywriter. That's all I do. How do you mean? I tried direct mail three times and I failed. Thankfully, yeah. like the the like eight direct mail pieces I've done have like pulled in a couple of million pounds. So I'm like, yay, <laughs> happy clients. <laughs> but seriously, I really want to get back to doing that at some point because direct. Let's be honest, direct mail is like the easiest way to make money. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you what I'm working with uh, with a client now, who took a business that was primarily direct mail, and had generated fifty thousand subscribers uh, in a niche where there's no other newsletters doing fifty thousand subscribers. He moved it all pretty much all his marketing to online, and that um, was doing very little direct mail except for insert pieces to his paid subscriber file, people getting physical newsletters. Mm -hmm. And um, he is now very actively going back into direct mail. And because just the, the whole online space got so crowded that it's it's incredibly difficult to stand out. And you got you got a couple choices. You got you got the long game where you provide a ton of value and you build an incredible reputation and then you sell people. Um, and, you know, I say long game. That can happen over a short period of time. It can happen over a long period of time. Or um, or you can yell and scream and make super hypey promises and stuff and try and stand out that way. And um, I am i don't write copy that yells and screams and makes super hypey promises. I'm much more uh, low-key in how I present things. Um, yeah, I'll make big promises, but but I want to make sure that I present them with candor and, and proof and credibility and all that. Deliverability um, on how real you can actually make it, rather than, yeah. I'm going to make you $10 million tomorrow, versus, you yeah. know what, I can show you how to make $1,000 a month in like three months. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Ramit Sethi. Yeah. Um, his his uh, How to Make Your First $1,000 Online, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that program is, I heard him describe it on somebody's podcast at one point. Mixing and probably. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. Um, just 
incredible sales thinking with regards to that, with regards to the, the candor, um, the approach of like when he started, I mean, he's got that, he's got that site that's, I will teach you to be rich. Um, but, but what he found was that the bigger promises that he made, he was having trouble getting people to believe it. But if he said, I'll show you how to make a thousand dollars online and, you know, ideally at that point, once you know how to make a, your first thousand, you can probably figure out how to make your second and your third and your hundred thousand too. But, um, making that first thousand was super important and that became kind of a, 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 a flagship product for him um, just because it's such a believable promise that he made so yeah yeah agreed I mean it's, again it's down to like client stuff but one thing I love about Ramit and I don't know if, um, if you guys don't know about this listening to this he has uh, oh my god how do I put this one of the greatest things about copywriting is exclusivity exclusivity yeah. sells like crazy now if you guys don't know how Ramit did this um, he does not let you actually get on his course by paying by credit card. You yeah, have, I think you, you have to. I mean, if you have any credit card debt, if you're down to your last, whatever it is, he will not take it on board. If he finds out that you pay by credit card, he refunds you the money and sends you a letter saying, uh, give you your money back, get off my course, go make some money, then come back in. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually something that I, I value a ton is is I always feel like my business is 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 so close to zero because um, even though my wife and I still both work part time, we're just moving money um, out of reach as fast as we possibly can. And we save a ton of money. Um, we keep our expenses low. I mean, I mean, that's that you want to know the easiest way to get rich. You make more than you spend. And preferably, you make a lot more than you spend, mm -hmm. um, which which can be achieved in two ways. I mean, you should learn how to make more money, but you should also like work on spending less money. Yeah. Um, so you know, my my car isn't the newest model, and um, this and that. But you know, we're we're at, we're shopping for a, a minivan now, and we're going to pay cash for it. Um, and you know, not deplete our life savings in, in order to do so. And um, like those things, like making the decision early on, that makes all the difference in the world. I don't know if you if you know the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Yep, I actually um, have it right up there on the bookshelf. There you go. Um, yeah, just in terms of like principles of wealth building, that's that's one of the absolute best uh, books that there is. Um, and and it's not it's not get rich quick, um, but it is a it's a book that will show you how to get rich. Even if you, I mean, the guy that I got it from um, worked for like a courier company and never made a ton of money, and um, got rich and retired early um, just by following the principles in that book. Um, and and yeah, I mean, to to to. Um, Ramit is probably doing people a bigger favor with that demand than with anything he could teach them. <laughs> Definitely. And I did not just drop anything and you guys did not hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. Nothing happened. I, I was just dipping down to scratch my foot. As, there you go. Well, you guys can't see it. But and you right hit now. your face on the keyboard. <laughs> you, guys don't, you guys can't see that. Yeah, just because yeah. I got a slur all of a sudden because you know it hurt a little bit. Don't don't make fun of me, okay? Good. Yeah. See, he, so, got, he got his licks in before I did. God damn it! I'm supposed <laughs> to make fun of him, not the other way around. But yeah, I agree uh, with you. I mean, one of the greatest uh, advertising 
that, not even advertising secrets, but one of the things that I actually love to do, and um, it's probably the reason why it took me so long to get around to actually understanding quote unquote niche marketing. Because yeah. the conversation we had was, um, I wrote for everything. So it's like, I think it's 138 yeah. niches now I've written for and 60 industries. I'm like, yeah. holy crap, that's Goodness. a lot. Like over a short yeah. period of time, you would look at it from like 18 to 26. Well, that's like yeah. eight years. Do we take in eight years? Yeah. That's practically averaging five, six industries a year, give or take. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Well, and that means you're learning something new every two months. Yeah, pretty much. Which is fun, but but it's it's draining. It's yeah. Oh my god, it's draining. Which is why, like now, even the way I do my client calls. Before it used to be, I'll send out a questionnaire, like learn all the shit I need to. No, I just get them on the phone and talk to me for a half hour while they record it because I want to just like yeah, just drop all your knowledge in here, and I'll yeah. listen to it. Why? Because it makes more fun than reading. <laughs> Love <laughs> you, but no thanks. Um, yeah. But what I was gonna say was that like one of the craziest things about niching down is the fact that you just give so much great value away. But it's um something that I definitely seen with your blog is you talk about everything. You don't shy away from subjects. Like you'll be like, okay, cool. What's one of the reasons why you're broke? I mean, I don't know if you've written this post yet, but you probably will. It's like, okay, so you got to figure out how to do your finances, you know, how to write copy, you know, how to do advertising, you know, spending budgets, cuts, and all the thing in between. Yeah. Shit no one ever talks about. And it's something, um, this, one of the guests I really want to get on board is Justin Brooke. Okay. Because yeah. Justin's a good friend. I mean, I love the guy. Okay. Um, but something he said a while ago kind of made, like, it, it was really, um, that's a nice way of putting it. It was very uh, standoffish with so many other people. And that was, I don't need to, um, he goes, I'm not very good at saving money. I'm very good at making money. And it's like, the more money I can make, the better, because I will spend it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, all right, cool. Because that's very different to what you hear from other people. We're like, I make a lot of money, but I put money aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, that's, 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 yeah, you, 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 you kind of have to make choices about that. I mean, if you're just going to accept the fact that you're going to spend money really fast, well, you better learn how to make money really fast, too. Um, I think that's kind of Frank Kern style, too, from, from what I've read. Um, I mean, he, he, part of the reason that he decided his fees was because he said, all right, I want to spend this much money every month. And so here's how much I have to make. And it was nothing to do with the value to clients. It was nothing to do with, now I, I think he does a pretty good job of following through on yeah, that, but, of but yeah, I mean, if you want to make money, uh, or, or if you want to have a lot of money, um, you got to figure it out. And, you know, for, especially for me, I, I made the decision fairly with my wife while my kids are young. So for like this eight or 10 year period from 2009 to 2019 or so until my youngest is in kindergarten, um, probably working no more than 30 hours a week. Um, a lot of weeks I work less than that. Um, and, and it's so that so that we can be here for the kids when they're young. And my wife works a little less than me and she has like a going psychology practice. She has a PhD in psychology. Um, but, but we figured out, okay, so if we're going to limit ourselves in that way, I mean, I do well cause I get paid royalties and stuff like that. But if we're going to limit ourselves in that way, um, you know, what decisions do you have to make based on that? And, you know, I figure I'll build my business empire. Life is long. That's a lesson that I learned from Brian Kurtz and, and, uh, and Marty Edelston. Um, life is, life is long. So, um, it, there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that. I mean, sure, shit can happen. Um, but, but if you, 
play the long game. You can make decisions now that you won't regret later. You can, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's just kind of my approach and what I've adopted. And, um, yeah, um, that said, I'm still spending a bunch of time building my business. I want to talk to you. So you were talking about exclusivity. Um, and I want to talk to you about a marketing failure that I just had. All right, go for it. Uh, you want to do that? Yeah, hells yeah, because there's nothing better than wins than failures. And this is where I can make fun of you now. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, so do you know like the 3D mail thing? Like, uh, So we're, we were talking about direct mail. And um, one of Dan Kennedy's teachings is always send like a grabber or send something that's, that's physical and 3D and whatever. And um, I so so I I'd studied a bunch of that, but I'd never really used it. And I, um, I, I early on in this call, I talked about kind, kind of wanting to go in the Jay Abraham direction versus the Gary Bensavinga direction. So Jay Abraham's direction is he's consulted with people in like 460 some industries. So that's the opposite of specialization. But he does these like super high level marketing. Um, consultations looking into a business from like the universal principles of business building and um and and looking into the business taking apart that business and presenting them uh growth strategies all right you're distracting we shouldn't be on video no sorry about that i was <laughs> the reason right. i was just checking to the side because i was listening through everything that you were saying it's just that my cat's trying to climb out of a window and like, shit. <laughs> so I actually got him down, which is fine because he doesn't yeah. usually go down there. But I was like, what the hell was that noise? But yeah, sorry. So Jay, Raham, so many, yeah, yeah. So many um, industries, so, completely opposite yeah. of um, expertise. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I should just look away when you're being distracting and making faces at me because it just makes me feel really, I don't know, self-conscious. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Dance for me. Um, no, so, um, so, so I, you know, I've, I, I said, you know, Gary Bensvinga is maybe, uh, one of my heroes, um, but his career path was he worked with a few direct, like really big direct marketing companies and established himself with those, that small group. And that's largely what I've done for my first, you know, 10 years in direct response, five years as a freelancer, um, was do that. But, but I also have this, like, I have these, I have these, um, I don't want, I don't want to call them sicknesses, but I have these like obsessions with doing, doing things a little bit differently. Um, and, and so like, there's, I, 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 I still want to like bring the video sales letter concept into nonprofit fundraising mm -hmm. that hasn't worked out so far, but I keep beating, beating my head against that wall. Until and I also, what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, it hasn't stopped me up until this point. I also want to work with Nebraska businesses and I, you know, that it, it's a lot of people's thought about Nebraska is what businesses are there. Um, cool. You know, the, yeah, exactly. Um, but but Nebraska actually has um, some pretty thriving uh, business communities. And, uh, for example, we have like a, a very strong startup community here in Lincoln, which is a town of 250,000 people. Um, but there's a college and there's a a, a school of technology that, that and entrepreneurship that's that's very strong and there's there's one corner in town that has like either it has like 20 some venture capitals or startups all on this one corner um in town in these four buildings um so there's like a thriving startup community which i tried doing things with that but the problem with startups is like they don't have money 
And even when they do have money, they have a business model that sold in a fundraising in, in, a, in a meeting to raise capital, mm -hmm. but it didn't necessarily sell in the market yet. And um, so like as a direct response marketer who gets paid based on results, if I'm given an offer that hasn't yet really proven itself in the marketplace, it's really hard for me to make that happen. I would rather sell something that has a, a legitimate um, market demand that that they know of and I can capitalize on that better than maybe folks who don't have my skills. Well, so my latest foray into working with Nebraska businesses is I bought a list of like 430 Nebraska businesses that are currently doing $5 million or more in annual revenue. And, and I thought, all right, well, I want to go into these folks with a Jay Abraham style offer where I will help you build your business and I'm going to get paid a percentage of the growth of your business. And the that you wrote, wasn't it? The $5 million letter. The yeah. One, yeah. One I was, was reading quite recently. Okay. Yeah, that was it. And I think the letter is good and I still love the letter. Um, but we're going to, we're going to get back to exclusivity and why it didn't work. So, so I, I actually, you're going to be able to see this, but obviously the people listening won't. Um, I sent out this priority mail express envelope, which is a fake priority mail or fake FedEx envelope um, that mails first class um, with a 24 page sales letter in it that made an offer for it was it was like, hey, you haven't heard of me, but um, I'm going to add $10 million in revenue to your business. And here's stories of clients that I've worked with where I've had these uh, big revenue impacts and, and all of that. And um then, then actually made that offer. But um, I went to folks who didn't know me. And, and granted, my first test was fairly small. And final results aren't in because I have somebody working with me to follow up with these folks. So I'm not seen as the person who's also following up with these folks. Um, but um, my positioning ended up being all wrong based on exclusivity. So in the direct response niche where I have a reputation and they regularly hire copywriters, they know that if they come to me, they're going to have to wait to hire me. They're going to have to spend a little bit more money, all that stuff. But when I'm going to these people who don't know me from Adam, um, what I'm doing is I'm basically putting myself out there and it's impossible for me to justify the kind of fees that I want to justify with that um, because there is no exclusivity simply by the fact that I'm chasing them. Um, I, it, I can't convert those people into paying clients and it took me, it took me spending a decent amount of money, not a ton of money because I limited my tests. I mean, that's one of the lessons from scientific advertising uh, is, is you limit your tests until you know that what you have works um, and then you can roll it out on a bigger basis. Um, but, but what I figured out in my limited test is, is like sending out this 24 page letter to these people who don't know me um, at all has the, it just, it just puts me in completely wrong positioning even if I say I'm busy elsewhere um, it just it doesn't work very well um, so round two of that testing you know we'll see how that works out but um, I'm actually gonna take a page out of Ryan Levesque's playbook and just do a what is he what does he call the first survey that he does well, is it a uh, why do you hate me survey no uh, why do you hate me in the middle bucket survey. yeah it's the it's the deep dive one um, where it's you know what's your what's your single biggest challenge um, 
you know, regarding, regarding your business today. So I'm going to go to, so I started with a subset of that list and, um, and I sent the full pitch to them and I'm going to go to a different subset of that list. And I'm basically going to offer a free consulting call to the first 15 who respond, which, you know, I'll be able to control who I offer that consulting to, but, but instead of coming to them with a solution, um, doing the survey and then just offering the free consulting as a little bonus and thank you. It allows me to maintain that exclusivity positioning um, in terms of, of um, if, they, if they turn around. So if I provide a ton of value, we, we start off talking about value. If I provide a ton of value in this 25-minute call, it's just a thank you for them filling out my survey and giving me more information about how I can help Nebraska businesses. Um, if they say, well, what is it that you do? I can then push them back into the process where they get my $10 million offer, um, but it maintained the exclusivity. It allowed me to approach them without them knowing me, mm. but then but then allows me to maintain the exclusivity and say, well, I'm busy right now. I don't know if I could take you on, but I, I could explain you know roughly what I'd be looking for in working with Nebraska businesses. And... Um, it also, you know, allows me to gather market intelligence from people outside the direct response niche. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you know, both a failure and and um, the thinking of how I respond to it, and and you know, I I've decided, and and I don't think I can actually pull this off, and but I think you'll recognize the the value in it. I've decided that I need to do postmortems. You know the term postmortem, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I need to do postmortems on on every marketing campaign that I do before I actually do it. So, like, what are all the reasons that this has failed? Assuming that it failed, um, instead of instead of what we often want to do is fall in love with our own marketing ideas and campaigns and copy and all that stuff, and say, "Yeah, this is going to work really well." Uh, you, you need to say, "No, this is going to totally fail." Why? You know, and because you can always see it after it went out in the market, you can make assumptions about why it failed, like this thing with ex exclusivity and yeah. crap like that. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know what the point of that was besides just sharing a lesson that I learned from failure. But oh, you know who else is gone? Well, one one other person that's really great who does it on his podcast, Doberman Dan, and I think you're talking to him later. Yeah, I'm gonna actually... have your podcast. Like I yeah. actually got him on in like two and a half hours. You know, we're yeah. going to be on a podcast, so that's going to be quite interesting. But with um, just to kind of like get back to what you were saying, because there is something that you said that's so powerful in the early part of this call. That oh, that was it. Pretty much, what do you do? Because you've given so much value away, right? Yeah. On your blog. Now, the thing that I'm doing right now is um, what I'm doing right now is quite different. Is you know how most people get on like the 15 minute consultation call, I'm like oh you know discovery call for like a half hour, 15 minutes, whatever, yada yada. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'll close you on something at the end. I yeah. don't like doing that because honestly, I don't know how to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, because yeah, the, the reasons <laughs> the guys get on those calls and do them is because they know how to hold back value and then close you on like I've given you some of the cheese. Now here's come and get the rest. I don't know how to do that. I'll just like here you go, take everything. Go do your yeah. thing. Be happy and then pay me. So the best way I came around that was um, if I time myself for 15 minutes, I can give you everything that you need to do because I speak a mile a minute when I'm on these calls, hence why I record them. Um, but the way I do it is I say, send me something off my Amazon wish list. Yeah. Easiest way in the world. That, yeah. That's, that's, it's, a, it's a pretty smart thing to do. 
Yeah. Um, I hope yeah. you get the psychology behind it, because... Okay, I might have to explain this anyway, because there's people in this call going, what psychology are you on about? But um, the reason why people actually go ahead and buy with you afterwards, and the reason why the tripwire exists in the marketing world, tripwire being like a low-end offer that you do right off the bat, um, is because it gets the buying temperature up. Yeah. Because it means that they're able to spend some money with you, and someone that even spends like five bucks to you is worth more than someone that's never paid you. Yeah. Even, yeah. If, even if it's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I've had this conversation about a lot recently. Um, it, it's different than double opt-in, but do you know what a, you know what the two-step opt-in process is where, where somebody actually clicks the button and, then and the, the button button. brings up the form? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your experience has been with that, but, but um, it's, all of this ties back to what Ryan in his book called uh, micro commitments. Yeah. Um, you know, getting people to, to make some level of commitment only encourages their um, ability to make a bigger or desire to make a bigger commitment. And, and it gets them in the habit of, of taking action. Oh, definitely. Um, Something that yeah. um, you've probably heard of dynamic VSL. Have you ever heard? Uh, I don't know. Rob no. Jones. Uh, Rob Jones came up. Uh, actually, created the thing. But it's funny because he and I had this conversation. Rob, I love you, so don't worry. This is not a bad reflection of you. You just beat me to the punch. Um, <laughs> he and I had this conversation about developing that because I was actually yeah. going to develop the software that was um, entirely. It was like a straight sales video, but you'd actually stop at intermittent points, bring up questions, get people to answer the questions, and they'll go into like different variations until they get to the end. So it could be like. Are yeah. you a beginner, intermediate, or advanced marketer? Okay, what's yeah. your number one biggest fear? This, this, or this? And you keep going <laughs> until you get them. Now, the thing with that is, again, it's micro-commitments because they're not paying anything. They're just clicking buttons. Yeah. When you get to the end, you tell them to buy something, they're a lot more likely to buy it because mentally they're like, I've put up so much time in this. I've invested time, effort, and energy, so now I need to complete this. Yeah. Um, if that yeah. means I need to buy something, or I need to opt in. Works the the two step opt in works amazingly. Um, yeah. But to backtrack a little bit on the whole Amazon wish list, why do I do a wish list given how much my fees are per hour for like consultations? Um, yeah. I've had people buy me like a two dollar book before to get fifteen minutes yeah. to be on the phone. But here's the thing: you give them so much value for that, they'll still want to buy more from you. Yeah. But, you're not going to get everyone that's going to buy you something on like that 15-minute thing to actually go ahead and you know, spend two, three grand with you. You're not going to get that. Yeah. I mean, you'll get a small percentage, but not all. But what you yeah. will do is you'll deliver so much value, they'll go tell their friends. Yeah. And that's how you get more people coming through a referral funnel. But if yeah. you're just getting through an Amazon wish list, it's a relatively small commitment. Just buy me something completely small and tiny, <laughs> and you'll be, you'll be on board. The likelihood yeah. to buy afterwards is a lot you know they're expected to buy at that point because like i bought some time i'm expected to buy more time hence yeah do it so that's something you but, can look at as well yeah the, the funny thing one of the ways that i've actually considered monetizing or 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 making my breakthrough marketing secrets a little more valuable now i, I shouldn't say i haven't gotten anything out of there because i did i did do a small copywriting workshop um and i um I also did some copywriting coaching, and so I have made tens of thousands of dollars off that site. I just don't have any products for sale on there today. Um, you should get on that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but one of the ways that I've actually considered just allowing people to do something like that is 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 throwing on like buy me an Amazon gift card, buy you know pay me 
any amount you want via PayPal because this this service is as valuable as any paid service that you get right now. Um, I think I think just in terms of of for anybody that's in this space of like using information either um, to to sell towards um, towards a higher end purchase or you know information marketing or whatever, changing media also helps a lot. So as I've considered this, um, one one of the things that I'm about a step away from is doing paid webinars. So you get a ton of free value in the written emails. But for somebody like Adel who can't read my 2,000 word email, I can't sit through it. <laughs> I love him, but it's true. It's a label of yeah. just sitting there and hate you so yeah. much. <laughs> Summarize. Uh, yeah. Um, then, 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 you know, putting it in different media, doing, you know, doing phone interviews or doing uh, webinars or whatever. That that also the the value that I'm able to provide in something like this that's conveyed through stories and things like that I, I mean it 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 changes and um so yeah it, it it does legitimately provide different value it it if your free line is like way on the value side of things it allows you to to um provide some more different value um in a way that people aren't used to receiving value from you. Um, so it allows you to justify pricing too. So, yeah, if, I mean, if people are on there, they'll probably see me selling webinars or whatever before too long, but, um, yeah. Um, and, and probably more in the lines of business building than copywriting, even though a lot of my subscribers are copywriting, uh, because I want something that will be equally valuable to all these Nebraska businesses that I'm trying to chase right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, like one of the best so, ways to do it. I think you'll actually do an amazing job with it. Yeah. Well, yes, I will. I, I think that too. I agree. I will do an incredible, amazing job with it. <laughs> Hell yeah, you will. You're Roy Fudd. <laughs> you just get that on a t-shirt just saying Roy Fudd, Titan, copywriter extraordinaire, bitch. Yeah. I'll, I'll wear it. I'll, <laughs> I'll wear it when I meet John Carlton. So he's speaking at AWAI this year and he spoke last year, but I missed it because of the whole family commitments thing. I was at Titans and I did my own event and um, I ended up just opting out of AWAI last year, but I haven't missed two years in a row since I started going in 2009. So um, yeah. Um, and, and he is right now, he's my primary reason for going just to be a fanboy. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Why wouldn't you be? If Carlton was in the UK, you better be damn sure I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm probably going to get punched in the face here, but still totally worth it because I can tell the story of the time John Carlton punched me in the face. So, so I'll I'll tell him that Adol sent me, and how the heck did he end up? I don't know how my name came up through him. I don't whatever. I think, um, honestly, I think it was just a conversation that someone was having on his thread, and you were mentioned. I equated oh. to him, or it could have just been him mentioning you. I don't know. It, it, it might have actually been me having that conversation on the thread, and he still doesn't know who the heck I am. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knows who you are, man. Yeah, well, like, I, I would be surprised if he didn't know because, like, he's what I would call the like. Uh, do you like ever watch? Do you read comic books and stuff like that at all? I don't. I don't read a bunch of comic books. I. I. I'm. Like I'm movies, vaguely the movies. Yeah. Like the Avengers movies and stuff. So, do you know who the Watcher is? 
The Watcher, yeah. not really. Okay, so the but... Watch is like a weirdly odd entity that kind of like documents whatever happens in the entire universe. It's kind of like a okay. weird omnipresent ship. Yeah. John kind of reminds me of that guy. He's like, hello, I know what everyone's doing in the marketplace. I know who you are. If you yeah. say shit, I will find out who you are. <laughs> and be, well, he'll just—I I, want to just basically say he'll go John Carlton on your ass because he will. Because yeah. like the guy's got. Um, again, I could not like stop singing the guy's praises because he's just literally the one of the most badass people you'll ever meet or yeah. talk to. And you're going to find that out when you go to AWAI. Yeah. Um, yeah. He um, uh, to some degree, I think he reminds me a lot of myself, except for I seek the spotlight more than he has. Um, he, he, we both got psych degrees. We're both the kind of people who just watch and observe people a lot. And, uh, and, and to some degree, you know, I, I see, I see aspects of myself in him too. Um, you know, also we're both into music. Uh, I find a lot of copywriters are, uh, guitarists or make music in some way or whatever. Yeah, I suppose. Every single one. I've not met a copywriter that doesn't have a creative outlet. Yeah. Like, um, Except, go on. Yeah. Except. Well, yeah, you got to be careful that you don't let the uh, desire to create art come into writing copy. Because, I mean, Halbert's famous line was, I would rather take a, um, a, a, a grizzled old veteran of selling on the street or nose to nose toes to toes and turn them into a copywriter then take someone with a with an English degree and turn them into a and try and teach them the sales they need to, to be a copywriter you know um, it, it, it's it's way more valuable um, I think I think and and this this might be part of the legitimate criticism of AWAI is that they attract people who want to live the writer's life um, to the copywriting space mm -hmm. and um, they don't emphasize selling as much as anybody else that teaches copywriting at a very high level. Yeah. And uh, now, granted, a lot of people within AWAI and, and the stuff within their programs does, but in their sales materials, um, they've figured out, and it's legitimate, they've figured out that the easiest way to sell copywriting as a business opportunity is to appeal to people's desire to be a writer who, you know, works half the day and, uh, is able to work from the beach or the poolside or from home or whatever and have complete control of their schedule and not have to answer to a boss. And, you know, those, those are all appealing things about being a copywriter. Um, but the highest paid copywriters that I know work their butts off and are obsessed with selling as much as anything else. Um, not living the writer's life. Yeah. Um, and, so, so you have to make a choice. I mean, you make a choice. Do you want to live the writer's life? Which is really more what I'm doing right now. I'm so obsessed with selling and building businesses and, and making money and all that stuff. But do you want to live more of the writer's life? Or do you want to actually, like, become a multimillionaire copywriter? Um, Two different and, paths, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it really is a couple paths, different paths. Entirely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I actually have to, like, add on to what you just said was... Um, Halbert once said that one of his best experiences and worst experiences was doing door-to-door -door sales. Yeah. So that's what I did. In 2009 to 2010, I spent eight months doing door-to-door -door sales in, like, the fucking coldest time of the entire year. Like, it was the coldest year that England had had, and I was out there knocking doors. Yeah. God, it was, it's, it's soul-crushing. 
I'm not going to lie, it is the most soul-crushing work in the world. Yeah, we just had somebody show up the other day at our door, and, and you know, I just want to, like, give them a hug and say, I'm glad you're getting this experience, but I'm not buying from you. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's, it's you know, if you use it, it'll be a great experience, but... <laughs> Um, cause, cause that's one of the things that I've, I've become a very discerning consumer, um, understanding marketing and selling and, and all that stuff. And I know the cost of running a, a door to door sales operation, but I had, I had, you know, before I even decided that I liked marketing, um, I had worked in multiple call centers. I'd sold credit cards. I sold newspaper subscriptions. I sold people on donating to nonprofits, um, and I even helped our local newspaper build a program where we would go into local grocery stores and hand out free papers and sell subscriptions that way. And so I had all this selling experience before I even realized that, oh, there's this thing called copywriting and there are these like ragtag entrepreneur direct response companies that aren't like, um, you know, shitty corporate America. Uh, cause I decided at like 15, I, I mean, my, my mom had worked in cubicles her whole life. My dad had worked in basically cubicles his whole life and I'd visited him at work and I said, yeah, that's not for me. I'm never going to, I, you know, my life is not as a cubicle dweller. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, but my equation of even selling and marketing and all that stuff was basically that it was still a cubicle lifestyle. Well, not anymore, you know, but, um, but it took discovering direct response in order for me to kind of go down that path. Um, but yeah, that door to door sales experience or any kind of in-person sales experience or selling on the phone. Um, yeah, I sold IT training for a while too. And we sold at, at, at um, trade shows and we sold over the phone and best thing I ever learned to do there was I worked at that job. That was my first and last marketing job, like 40 hours a week, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we're, we're like over our, our hour now. Oh, so dude, don't worry about it. I'm good. I don't, I don't know what you got scheduled. Oh, ever. dude, I've got another, I've got like something in like 10 minutes, but who gives a fuck? Let's just keep going. Okay. This is so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're talking to um, me, so I'd rather talk to you. It's like, eh, you can listen in on this <laughs> conversation. It's fine. All right. Um, well, we can, we can wrap up in 10 minutes, but, um, yeah, so so I got that job and I was working in marketing there. And at the same time, like I had I literally had just discovered, you know, yet again another thing that I've written about on my site. And actually I didn't tell you, I have a I have a book coming out. Um Shit, it's, no it's like final editing. I'm doing two things, two books right now. Um I'll tell you about those. Well, I'll tell you about the first one right now. The first one is called The Copywriter's Guide to Getting Paid. And I did it through Dean Jackson's 90-minute book process. Um, I'll have to look. It, it, write about that at some point because I will be reading. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll certainly be sharing be sh be sharing this book all over the place and talking about it. But it's but it's it's. I got interviewed about kind of. Um, I, I recognize this kind of open space in the copywriting market that there's a lot of people that talk about the writing skills and stuff, but there's not a lot of people that just say, okay, now here's how to take the skills that you're developing as a copywriter and get paid for them. And like, here's what kind of copywriting you need to focus most on if you want to get paid and all that stuff, like all those lessons. But in there, I talk about, uh, for this first marketing job, I had read, like I had bought like two or three marketing and advertising books, um, or about copywriting. 
And I just started applying for marketing jobs. I said, I don't have any qualifications that would lead you to believe to, that I would be the best candidate for this marketing job. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to work my ass off and be the person that if you hire me, I will create the most success for you in the end. And it took, it took um, two applications for me to get a job um, with that, that angle. Um, and um, and I, so I got this marketing job and I was very successful and I had like really approached him from the beginning saying, listen, I'm all about generating results for the business and I want to get paid based on that. You know, I want I want this job to be one where I develop based on getting results for your business. And I reached a point in that business where um, the president of the company basically said, I can't pay you anymore. Like the owner won't let me pay you anymore because you are in marketing and it's your job. No matter how much money you show that you're making us, it's your job to make us money through marketing. And so like there's a cap on your income. And he said, if you go over to sales, you can go apply all the same thing, all the same lessons um, from, from your marketing um, and even use some of the marketing that you've already been building. But because you're closing the, the deals, because you're you're the one actually like uh, entering the order for, for your clients, uh, you are going to get a lot more money because I can pay you on this commission structure based on based on that. And so I did, and I I did things like I I I said, okay, here's the most expensive product that we sell, and it was like this big corporate training solution. I, I'm going to put something on the website that says if you want a training consultation for your organization uh, regarding how our big solutions will work for you, just fill out this form and submit it. And our training advisor, which that title didn't exist in the in the in the company at that point, our training advisor will get a hold of you and um, and talk to you about that. And so I I created a consultative selling system based on marketing, based on the leads that we were already generating through my marketing. And I immediately started closing these $30,000 deals that everybody else is saying, how are you getting all these leads? It's not fair, whatever. And, and, and um, I did, I like doubled my income at that company within about three months because suddenly I was getting paid on, on, on the deals I was closing. Um, but through that process, I, I got even more like one-on-one -on -one sales experience. And at that point, I had the benefit of having already understood direct marketing. So like all my sales experience prior to that job, I didn't really understand direct marketing. So it was good. I learned about selling. But um, I think you were smart in what you said that you, you in 2009, at that point, you'd already been writing copy. You already understood copywriting a bit. And Halbert said, you should sell door to door. So you sold door to door. Yep. And, and it's a lot of people don't do what you do and what I've done, you know? And, and so they aren't going to get the results that we get because we don't, you know, we don't look at people who've been, or they don't look at people who've been successful. And when those people make a recommendation, like go read this 90 year old advertising book because it's more valuable than almost anything being published today. They don't like go seek it out. You know, maybe you have trouble reading it because of dyslexia and ADHD. I do too, you know, the ADHD part. Um, but we still go and seek it out and try and pull lessons out of it, you know. And maybe we don't read through cover to cover, but we learn from those things and we go through the experiences that are recommended. And and it makes a huge, huge difference in the end results that we're going to get. Oh, um, One of my biggest things I always said to people when I started out was like, what's the big difference between me and everyone else? I'm like, well... 
when I was younger, it was I could write copy faster than anyone else. So what do you mean? Give me yeah. an order, I'll get it done in six hours. Boom. Now oh, I get older, it's like, yeah. I can't do that anymore. Like my brain yeah. has a completely different functionality of stuff to pull from. But it's almost the same thing when you um, when you go through that. But it was, the other thing I used to say to people was like, what really makes me different is a lot of copywriters fall into this trap is where they think they've made it and stop learning. Yeah. Um, I'm never people in any career they get like a year in and they're like all right I got it yeah and they think they can coast no dude yeah. seriously like even to this day even though I'm not a huge fan of sitting down and taking courses like you can okay hold on I'm gonna show you this because you're gonna see this but like I don't know if you can see that that's like my TV just there yeah right and that's my library above it that yeah. TV was like my friend's TV that he left me when uh, he moved out I bought it from him yeah do you know how often I watch movies in there versus TV shows and then what I watch on seminars? Take a guess. Yeah, probably two to three times as much in, in learning stuff than movies. Pretty much. Or if I'm watching About movies, that? I watch movies that are based on business, like The Wolf of Wall Street, Limitless. Occasionally I watch John Wick, which, by the way, if you haven't watched it, fucking amazing huh. movie. Keanu Reeves' huh. best movie. Seriously, hands down. That's, <laughs> that's saying something, considering. But, um... Uh, like anytime I watch anything now, it's like Carlton said that it's the copywriter's folly where you start basically analyzing the story of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the best games that does this, I don't know if you're a gamer or not, but watch, uh, you can watch it on, on YouTube. It's about five or six hours long. It's fucking long to watch. But it's even better when you play through it, and that is the Gears of War first three game franchise. Gears mm, of War 1, okay. 2, and 3. So powerful, and you would appreciate this, so powerful in the second game, during um, the second opening scene, because there's one opening scene and you play a little bit and there's the second opening scene that gets the full game going. Okay. In that second opening scene, you become so immersed in the world and feeling as if you are one of the you know characters that yeah. um, I've had friends cry <laughs> during that part. And then yeah. in the third game, for the people that are like, actually, fuck it. If you haven't played Gears of War 3 by this point, I'm going to... Do you mind if I give you a spoiler here? Because, like... No. Cool. No. Because, like, no. my friends are like, oh, you gave a spoiler. Guys, the game's, like, six years old. And you should have played it by now if you were going <laughs> to. But one of the characters that you basically... There's two characters, Marcus and Dom. They've been best friends since kids, yada, yada, yada. By the third game, like, in the second yeah. game, Mark, like, Dom has to kill his wife that he's been searching for for, like, eight years because she's lobotomized and completely brain-dead. And he's like, oh, I have to euthanize her. And it's like, yeah. at that point, that's like a self-inside-you-something-breaks. But the yeah. worst part is in the third game where he sacrifices himself in the hometown where his wife's from to save his best friend and all of them. And the Jeez. absolute genius of the marketing is yeah. Gears of War 1 was launched with the song Mad World. Yeah. And they had the instrumental playing while this entire suicide mission goes on. And you're just wow. like, holy shit. You, like, heart-wrenched. You, you almost feel like crying as a man because <laughs> you feel like you've lost your best friend. So many of my friends that are female that play this game, they're like, yeah, I can't, yeah. I, I can't play that scene. They're like, why? I wow. start crying. I'm like, really? Like, no, just play it. You'll see what I mean. Play it on the TV. Yeah. Next thing you see, like, a teardrop out there. I am like, holy <laughs> fuck. This is good storytelling. Yeah. Apply this yeah. to your copywriting. But what I'm saying yeah. is that like, the more time you spend just studying stuff, even if it's while in the background, you're doing more than everyone yeah. else. And that's a huge thing. Yeah. But we are literally with like a minute left, so I'm going to quickly sign this off. Roy? Well, let me, 
Hey, can I can yeah. I do one really quick thing? Yeah, so ahead. so um, if you're a copywriter like that that breakthrough marketing on breakthrough marketing secrets, I will announce that copywriter's guide to getting paid. You'll be able to find it pretty quickly. I don't know if it's going to come out before or after this interview goes live. Also, right now as we speak, I am writing another book, which was what I intended to start writing before I started doing daily emails a year and a half ago. Um, I'm, I'm writing the book called Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, which is like my magnum opus, the textbook of building a direct response business as people watch. So every day I'm releasing a new like lesson that is going to um, be the entire book. And so, you know, I don't, not very many people have done it that way. I just decided if I'm going to get this book out, I have to, I have to like write it while you watch because otherwise I'm writing a 2000 word essay every day and trying to write a book chapter too. Yeah, might as well <laughs> just go ahead and use a 2000 word essay as a book yeah. chapter and then eventually release it all as a massive thing. And it'll work that yeah. way because it's not like you're not, it's not like you're holding back. You're giving away like a fuckload of gold. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it just those are the two books that I'm working on. I wanted to like close that loop. Oh, and, yeah, I was uh, going to say, second book. Yeah. But, um, all right. Guys, cool. go check out BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com, opt in. Um, because actually you'll be inundated with amazing emails all the time from Roy. Roy, thank you very much for doing this. I totally appreciate you coming on board. Hopefully we'll get you on board uh, once your book is out as well. Um, Absolutely. Be awesome. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah, I did. I did. It was a very fun conversation. Thanks, right. Adol. Take care. Bye, guys.